Thank you for tuning in to Island Church Galveston's podcast. Today's podcast message is from Island Church's 2019 Fall Harvest Conference. Be blessed and encouraged by today's message. 2 Corinthians. I was taking Pastor Sam to the airport. He said, you need to get on that message you started on Monday and you need to do something with that. I said, okay. It's not a message I'm unfamiliar with. I, every time there's been changes in our life and ministry, the Lord's put me uh, in this portion of Scripture. And uh, I've preached it and seen, seen it produce uh, the needed change. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Not just the word, but Lord, the spirit of God. We desire the moving of the spirit for even in this portion of the word, it says the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So we thank you tonight, uh, this morning, that the spirit of God is in this place, moving, brooding, ready to fall, ready to move at any moment. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place. Take charge. Do that which needs to be done. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Let that which is of God be imparted. And let the good seed of the Word of God produce fruit in the coming weeks, months, and years. In Jesus' name. Now, when you were born again, and I've heard people use this in their testimony, and it's, I know what they're saying. I mean, I could attest to it, say the same thing. People get born again. They said, you know, I really changed when I got saved. You know, I, I was a heathen, and I was this, I was that, and... And man, I tell you, I got saved and and I really changed. Well, in reality, scripturally, that's not true. Scripturally, when you got born again, you were made brand new. And what happened was when you were made brand new by the life and the Spirit of God being imparted to your spirit, then actually what happened on the inside of you, in your soul, by the strength of the Spirit of God in you, you were put in a position to begin to make choices that you could not make before you got born again. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you said no to the drugs. You said no to the alcohol. You said no to the perverse lifestyle. Well, you didn't have the strength in your willpower to do that before you got born again. All of a sudden, you had the strength and the willpower to do it because it was not your strength and willpower. It was God's. Amen. Amen. So I like to say it like this. When you were born again, you were made brand new. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, not a changed creature. Uh, The Bible says we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we also walk in newness of life. Now, if you look around at creation, look around at what God has created, everything is in a state of change. Change is the only thing unique to the human experience. And it's the thing that we resist more than anything else. I wish I had the money of the cosmetic companies and the and the uh, you know the everybody that fights the uh, the aging process, the the vitamins, the uh, you know all of the different uh, places people go and things people do to try to stay young. What are they doing? They're fighting change. <laughs> Amen. And you know sometimes people win, sometimes people don't. And so and sometimes you can tell they've been in a fight. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The seasons are changing. We had a pretty warm summer uh, by most standards. And then September was brutal. I don't know what it was about September. We didn't get any cool fronts. It was just brutally hot. And, uh, and you know, but all of a sudden, here comes the, the fronts down from Canada, down from the Pacific, and, uh, and the weather starts changing. And it'll change, and it'll change some more into November, December, January, then around February, March, April. And it's changed again because God builds that into the system. 
Now, in, 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 in the Christian life, in ministry, in, in business, in marriage, in all these things that God gives us is, that, are, that are part of our life experience, God requires of us change. And much of our faith, much of our, how can I say this, much of our spiritual strength, much of our, uh, uh, much of our spiritual activity many times does not involve us changing, but it involves us trying to get God to change things. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of things out there that you can pray and believe God for, and God will change those things. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of things out there that God's not going to change those things. He's going to change you, and you're going to change those things. Amen? You know, when it comes to how God delivers us, you know, there are things that God delivers us from, but there are also things that God delivers us out of. The things that God de delivers us from many times are supernatural. They're, they're spectacular in nature. Na uh, nature. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you're hurting in your body. You have pain. Uh, you come up and, and Pastor Mark ministers to you and, and, and all of a sudden you know there's no pain. The symptoms are gone. You've just been delivered from something. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But when you, when you get delivered out of something, you go through a process. I said you go through a process. And as we said Monday, you know, uh, many times the, the, the vision in our mind of the answer we're believing God for is to be, de be delivered back to the place where we were in our life, in our finances, in our health, or what it was, before we had the problem. And so our prayers, uh, the, the expectancy of our prayers kind of looked that way. When God has another place He wants to deliver you to, because it was in that place you were vulnerable to that problem, so he wants a change in you to bring you to another place and deliver you out of that situation so you never have to go back to it again. Amen. So change is very important. But <laughs> of all the things that God has ever dealt with me in my life and ministry in the past 35 years, more than anything else, I have resisted change. Don't look at me so holy. Amen. I mean, I, I just, I remember uh, the Lord speaking to me to, uh, to go to uh, Abundant Life from Lakewood. And Lakewood was 5,000 with every service with a, like a revival meeting. And, and, and Abundant Life was 30 people in a funeral home. And I'm like, oh my God, you know. And I didn't go, oh, praise the Lord. You know, I, man, I've resisted. And re it took me about two months before I actually obeyed God and did that. But what was amazing about it was, is the provision of my life for the next 15 years was not up. At Lakewood, it was down here in Lamarck. That's where I met Leah. That's where our family got uh, uh, involved in the move of God again. Uh, that's where Alan came back to the Lord. That's where, our where I found our staff, a lot of the staff for our church. Uh, a, a lot of things that happened in my life. That's where I launched a, 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 an international ministry from. But I had to change. Amen. Then all of a sudden, here comes another change. And the Lord starts saying, well, you're going to have to shut all that down and you're going to have to go down to Galveston and you're going to have to start Island Church. Well, I didn't jump, jump and shout and, and, and glorify God over that. I was resisting that, man. I resisted it for five years. Did you just, I know Pastor Mark, he's, he just probably immediately, when God spoke to him, he shut everything down and just, you know, went over there and started that church and no hesitation, rejoicing the whole way. But I wasn't like that. <laughs> I went kicking and screaming. Amen. Reluctant. Reluctant, resisting. Now, here's the thing about it. As God brings you into His will for your life, He will put demands of change upon you. 
You have to get into the Word. You'll we'll look at some of the things that are unique to it. But here's the thing. You do not want to resist it to the point that you have to change. You want to yield to it over here when it's still a get to change. Let me say that again. You don't want to resist it over here till you have to do it. Till you're forced by the circumstances around you to do it. You want to do it over here where God is dealing with your heart and giving you revelation from the Word of God and giving you an anointing and giving you times of refreshing and doing what He needs to do to get you into that process of change so that you can get to the next phase of your life or ministry. Amen. I remember there were many people that prophesied over us, people that, uh, this is when we were uh, praying about starting Island Church. There were people that, uh, I was preaching in a camp meeting out in California, and a, and a lady came and had the brochure and, and came into the green room. The, the associate pastor brought her in, and she had the brochure of the ministry, and she had my pic- picture circled. And she says, this is you. I said, this is me. Yes, ma'am. And she said, you're going to have to go down and, and do what God's called you to do and start that church God uh, called you to, uh, to start. And I'm like, how does she know that? We hadn't, even, we hadn't told anybody that. Then in another camp meeting, uh, at the end of, uh, I, I closed out that camp meeting on a Wednesday night, and not the one in California, but another camp meeting, and stepped down off the platform, and a guy gave me a hug. Felt his hand go into my pocket. Didn't think anything about it. Well, then I got back to the house. Uh, I reached in my pocket, pulled it out, and it was a check for $10,000 made out to Rusty Martin Ministries. And in the memo, it said Island Church. Now, listen, this, you, can ask, you can ask Roland. He was on staff at the time, or Leah. We looked for months to try to find these people. It was a cashier's check. It had the name of a corporation on it. We could not find them. We, we, I mean, the least we wanted to do was send them a thank you. But then there's always the tipping point. Amen. And I'm so glad someone's here today that was there when there was the tipping point. Miss Lois was there. Happened up in Houston. I was asked to come and do a dedication of a new building for Pastor Roy Love. And so was Pastor Dodie Osteen. And so I got there, you know, and I didn't want to... I, I, Pastor, Pastor Dodie is the, the, the kindest, most, you know, it's kind of, kind of hard to describe her. Amen. But I didn't want to get up there and preach a message. I wanted her to have her time. The people wanted her to, to minister to them. And so i never forget, I'm sitting on the platform, and she walks up to the pulpit like this and stood there for a moment, and then just turned and took a step toward me and pointed at me, and this is what she said. She said, now you listen, Rusty, you're one of our babies. That's what she said. You're one of our babies. Now listen, you're going to have to go down to Galveston, and you're going to have to build that church, and you're going to have to do it, and you're going to have to do it right now, And you're going to have to do it because Jesus and John are watching you out of heaven right now. I surrender all. I mean, literally the next day, Lee and I started shutting down our field ministry. And we had had some pretty good invitations. We started shutting it down. And we really didn't have all the details and the, and, and, and the roadmap and the, and the plan and the, quote, vision. We didn't have all of that. We were just taking steps. Kind of like, it's kind of like walking in the dark with a flashlight. As long as you got some light in front of you, you can keep moving. But if you ever cut that light off, you can't go anywhere. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They start moving, they start moving, they start moving. And then all of a sudden, the enemy or some circumstance cuts the light off and you can't move anymore. Well, I'm going to believe today you're going to get your movement back. You're going to get your movement back. Now, 
in, in, in 2 Corinthians, again, as we talked about on Monday, it's, a compare, it's another one of Paul's comparison chapters. Uh, look at verse, uh, just, just for reference sake of the scripture we're going to use, look at verse, uh, look at verse 3. For as much, this is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if I hadn't told you. Chapter 3, verse 3. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Now he's comparing how God imparted the law to that, to that dispensation and how he imparts his grace to us now. That's a comparison. Look at the, look at the verse, uh, look at verse 6. Who also hath made of ministers of the New Testament, not by the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now he's literally talking about the law and then this dispensation of grace called the acceptable year of the Lord in which we live in, in which the Spirit comes to the earth, the Spirit of God comes to the earth to abide and empower the new creature. Amen? Then we get, you know, you can study the chapter for yourself. He compares several other things. But then you get down to... Uh, you get down to verse 16, it says, nevertheless, excuse me, verse 17, uh, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord there is, there is liberty. Now let me read, read, it, read it with verse uh, uh, 17 real quick so we'll get the thought here. It says, nevertheless, excuse me, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now, Amplified says it like this. Let me read in the Amplified. Verse 17, 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage and freedom. And all of us with veiled faces, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured, into, into His very own image in ever-increasing increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is that Spirit. Now, it's literally, if you go and just meditate and study this chapter, that, that one keynote where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We always talk about, we've got liberty to praise the Lord, we've got liberty to dance, oh, we're charismatic, we're Pentecostal, we have all this liberty. But if you really dig out the true meaning of the liberty they're talking about, he's talking about now that you are in a dispensation of grace in which the Spirit of God has access to you and you're not living by the dry letter of the law, you have a liberty that they did not have. They still possessed a fallen spirit and a soul. They were, getting, they were getting what they got on credit, waiting. You know what, what does it say in Hebrews 11? All these died in faith, having not yet received the promise. But then the promise was given, and salvation was available. And now we're not, we're not living by credit. We're living on the deposit. Now, if you get that right there, that'll make you happy. You say, why? Because a lot of people exhaust their faith, faith trying to get God to do something he's already done or trying to defeat an already defeated devil. With what you need to be doing is pressing into the will of God and possessing your promised land. Promised land is not heaven. I said the promised land is not heaven. 
promised land begins with salvation, goes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing, prosperity, and then the will of God and the dream of God and the vision of God that He puts into your life. That's the promised land. Amen. Now, at the point in our lives in which we stop changing, now let me say it like this, in which we stop growing, in which we stop progressing forward, in which we stop seeking the will of God. I was so inspired young in the ministry when, when Dr. Lester Summerall uh, received that, that uh, assignment from God in Jerusalem, and, and it was the, became the largest branch of his ministry at age 75. In praying about that, when God visited him in Jerusalem, he had two pastors with him who were strong and young and had big churches. And he told the Lord when the Lord visited him, he said, why don't you give it to one of these young pastors? And the Lord said to him, because it took me 75 years to get you to the place where you would listen to me and do what I'm fixing to tell you. So there's hope for us all. Amen. But at the point you quit moving forward, at the point you become stagnant in the process, at the point you quit doing what you're supposed to do to bring eternal, internal, eternal change into your life. At that point, you step back out of grace, back out of spirit, and you step back into the letter or the law, the letter of the word of God or the letter of the law, which is hard. Now you become to live by the rules. This is where a lot of Christians live. The rules are this. I have to go to church. I have to tithe. I have to pray. Well, you're, there's no liberty in that. I guess I have to give some money in the, in the conference tonight. I have, no, no, no. You got to get back over here on the liberty side where you get to. I get to come to church. I get to tithe. I get to worship God. I get. Listen, if you're not in that position, then you've stepped back from the process of change in your life. And notice what it says. It says, uh, but we all with open face, this is in verse 18, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, amplified. And all of us with an unveiled face. You know the reference to that? Moses coming down off the mountain had to put the veil on his face for the glory of God. And because of their unregenerate state, they could not look upon him, so he put a veil on his face. Amen? See, you're the one that decides what side of the veil you live on. Now, let me say that again. You're the one that decides what side of the veil you live on. I want to live on the glory side. I want to be in the veil, through the veil, behind the veil. I don't want to be out in front, legalistic, with a bunch of rules and regulations that I can't keep anyway. Amen. And I want to be involved in continual, supernatural, eternal change, growing up in the things of God. Amen. Because here's the thing. When you grow up in the things of God, there's something about growing in God that changes your character. Now, I've got just a, you know, I don't like to do infomercials, but I, I got my first book fixing to come out called You Can't Shoot a Cannon Off a Rowboat. And it's a study in the development of Christian character. The phrase, you cannot shoot a cannon off the rowboat, comes from Frances Ward, a lady who was a great Bible teacher, Wonderful woman, influenced my life. She was the wife, uh, she was the wife of F.E. Ward, somebody that influenced our lives, Randy's life, a lot of people, a lot of ministers, Brother Osteen's life, a lot of people, uh, he influenced their life. Now, her teaching on that was this. A lot of people have canon giftings from God. This great 
weaponry that God has put in there. Apostle, a prophet, a evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, or they operate in the gifts of the Spirit, or they, or they, or they have this business sense to them, or, they, or, they're, or, they're, or, they're, or they're motivated givers, motivate, whatever it is, they have this canon gift in them, and God wants that to be used. But they have rowboat mentality. And so they row out in the sea of life, and they get one shot, and because their character is not developed, it sinks their boat. But what do you shoot cannons off? Now, I know our Navy doesn't do it anymore, but, but back in the day, uh, nations, the power or strength of a nation was determined by how many battleships they had. Right after World War I, that's the way it was. America built a whole bunch of battleships. We've got one here, the battleship Texas, that, that fought both in the, uh, in the uh, uh, World War I and in the, in the Atlantic and the Pacific. So it has a great, great battle record. Now, battleships take time. You know, a, a, a boat that would float, a few of you men could probably get together and put one together this afternoon. But now a battleship begins with planning. You, you, you lay out structure and foundation. Uh, you put in plate. Uh, you have all kinds of systems. You got weapon systems. You got communication systems. You got guidance systems. You got all these things. It takes time. But as you're building a weapon like that, you're building something that will be able to handle perpetually that weaponry that's on it. And back in those days, they launch a battleship. That battleship did two things. It kept the homeland secure and was a threat against the enemy. I said it kept the homeland secure and was a threat against the enemy. And I know we could, we could I, without naming any names, we've seen it happen. The big church that grew up with a big pastor that's not there anymore. The big ministry that grew up with a... It's obviously we've seen many people that had great offensive weapon giftings in their life, but did not have the character to handle it. That's why change is so important. That's why change is so important. So it begins with what? It begins with us looking into the Word of God, which in this reference, it calls it a mirror. Everybody say a mirror. And as you look into the mirror of the Word of God, you behold the glory of God. Now let me say that again. When you look into the mirror of the Word of God, you are beholding the, the glory of creation, the glory of the flood, the glory of Abraham, the glory of the formation of Israel, the glory of the exodus, the glory of the nation, the glory of the incarnation, the glory of Emmanuel, the glory of Pentecost, the glory of uh, Jerusalem. and Anna. That's what you're looking at. You're looking at power in the unseen which is connected to that which is in the scene to produce that which God wants among men and on the earth. Did you get that? Now think about this. Power. In the natural, we have power that's unseen called electricity. Electricity has always been here. Let me say that again. It's always been here. It's been in Galveston. It's been in Tulsa. It's been in Austin. It's been in Ireland. It's been in Australia. It's been every, all over the world. But the problem was not that there was electricity or wasn't electricity. The problem was knowledge. First of all, what is it? Amen. Who was it? Benjamin Franklin that was flying the kite. And, you, know, he, you know, he discovered something that was already there. Already present in the creation of God. And it's actually in the scheme of time... There's just a little sliver of time 
from about, oh, what would you say, 1850 uh, on till now, in which people actually began to find out what electricity was, learn how to assimilate it, learn how to store it, learn how to produce it, learn how to transmit it. Now, that all be well and good, but if you don't have anything to hook it to, it don't make any difference. You can build power plants all over the world, but if nobody invents a light, what good is a power plant going to do? Amen? You, 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 can, you can build all kinds of things that produce the power, but if you don't have any inventions that receive the power and then bring the power into a realm that it changes... Let's just take the building, for instance. You know, we bought, when, we, when we got this building, there was nothing here. Nothing. No wiring, no plumbing, no nothing. We had to build the whole building out. Now, they came in and they wired the building. The drop comes in back here off the alley, comes down off the pole. It hooks to the building, and then it goes to a big box back there. That big box takes and splits all that power to the lights, to the sound system, to the, uh, uh, to the air conditioner, to everything we need. Now, notice this. The power coming off the poles is unseen. But what we experience, what changes the atmosphere of the building is experienced. It's seen. You can actually say it like this. It's the glory of electricity. But without the inventions, without the appliances, without the lights, without the sound system, just think about what the room would be like if we didn't have the air conditioning and heating system, we didn't have the lighting, we didn't have the sound system. We'd all be kind of sitting here kind of struggling. And what would we need? We would need a change in the atmosphere. And someone, would, we, could, we could all get down on our knees and start praying. Lord, change this atmosphere. Lord, we need to see our Bibles. And Pastor Rusty's reading scripture. We can't hear, we can't hear. We need to, hey, need to turn on that sound system. It's getting kind of muggy in here. Somebody needs to turn on the air. And we could all be real holy and spiritual and pray and pray and, and pray and pray. Till finally, amen, Brother Randy gets up and goes cuts on the light switch. When he cuts on the switch, the change begins. Everybody goes, we can see. Right. Amen. Brother Roland goes and cuts on the air conditioner. Everybody goes, oh, this is nice. Amen. Brother Frank goes back and turns on the sound. See, once they started doing something, once they started doing something, once they started flipping some switches and directing the power, the change started taking place. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many times do you study, meditate, or come hear the Word of God taught for the purpose of change? <laughs> Amen? No, we don't. We come and listen to it for the purpose of our need. We need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. When God says, really the purpose of my Word is to bring into you, you are my invention. The Bible says, you are my workmanship. You are what I have created on the earth to hook the power to. Because if I can hook the power to you, I can change some things. If I can get... The, see, what you're, what you're doing when you're studying and meditating and looking into that mirror and making those adjustments in your life, what you're doing is you're allowing the Holy Ghost to make the legal connection of the power of God to your life in such a way that can be a blessing to you and a blessing to other people. Amen? So it begins with the Word. Everybody say, it begins with the Word. That's why, listen... I don't know, sometimes people think like, well, you know, all they do is teach the Word, all they do is preach the Word. Well, that's really not true in this crowd. Because there is this powerful move of the Holy Ghost, strong move of the Spirit. Amen? But a lot of times people are like, well, you know, it's just, it's always about the Word, always about the Word. Well, it is. 
It is, to quote uh, Sister Frances Ward, she said many times to us as young ministers, she said, you can have no greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here. If you don't have a relationship with this book right here, you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So you read it, you study, you meditate, and as you look into it, you're looking into the glory of God. Now, everybody say the word. But we all with open face, beholding as a glass, the glory of the Lord, that word glass is mirror in the Amplified. So it is what? It is reflecting back to you, not what you see, but what God sees. Now, we hang a religious mirror over here, and we hang a redemptive mirror over here. Now, you go look in the, the, the religious mirror, and that mirror will say this, you're just a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're just a worm in the dirt. You're really not worth much. You know, just make sure you come to church on Sunday. Doesn't really matter if you listen to what we say. It hadn't affected anybody in a hundred years. Really? Come on, let's just be honest. You know, we're, we're willing to rejoice over what God did 200 years ago, but we're going to deny everything He's doing today. And you know, you're really just a no good, worm in the dirt. You're just a poor old sinner. Saved by, well, you get over here in the redemptive mirror and you see something else. Hmm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He that knew no sin was made sin on my behalf. And because of that, and God loves me, and God cares for me, and God has my, and I, not only that, I, I'm not sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed of God, and I can use this mirror to have a reflection of my healing, see myself healed in the mirror, and then do what I'm supposed to do to affect the change in my body. Amen. 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 Over here it tells you you're poor, broke. Because of that, you're holy. You know, the less you got, the more holy you are. Well, I never agreed with that. Because the less I had, the more holy I wasn't. <laughs> Amen. But you get over here, and you see, you look into it, and it says, My God supplies all of my need according to, to His riches and glory by Christ. Give, and it should come back to you. Give measure. Press down. Shake it together right now. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to reach into your pocket. You need to reach into your pocketbook. And you need to affect the change. You need to obey what the Word says. about. Because God says, here's how I see you. I see you with my nature. I see you in my image, and I'm a giver. That, that makes it easy to break the spirit of poverty. Amen? When you see yourself as God sees you, and if God sees you as already blessed, as already wealthy, and He sees you as a giver, don't you think He's going to supply you with what you need to be that giver He wants you to be? Amen? So we have to continually look into that mirror, and then what? It's just like the mirror at home. You're not gonna. You're got the, the mirror doesn't have arms to reach out and 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 you know shave you and and put your makeup on or do this or do that. You do it yourself. You make the adjustment and you change. Now, and all of us with open face, beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Everybody say are changed. That's metamorphosis. It's an inside-out change. We know that in nature it happens with, a, with a, uh, uh, you know, different animals, different insects. The butterfly goes through a metamorphosis. He starts out as a hairy worm, and he ends up as a butterfly. And when you see a butterfly, you don't think flying worm. Now think about that for a minute. You don't see a butterfly flying by and say, there it goes with them flying worms. Now you probably will from now on. <laughs> Amen. No, you say there's a. This year it seemed like the monarchs came through early. You know, we went outside one time to walk the dogs, and we have a have a bush right there that has these long flowers, and there was monarch butterflies all over that bush. 
And I never for one time had the thought, look at all them flying worms. I thought, look at those butterflies. Because the change, now listen to me, the change from the inside out of the metamorphosis was so unique and complete that it changed the worm's identity. Now let me say that again. The change was so unique that it changed the identity of the worm and turned it into a butterfly. So that now you don't think flying worm, you think butterfly. Why? Because of an identity change. Now that, listen, this is one of the foundations of redemption. That you are not who you used to be. And let me tell you this. I, I don't have time to teach this directly, but let me tell you. You are not who you used to be because of death. That's why Paul wrote, for the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. That's why he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved and gave himself for He saw himself in Christ's death. And what is death? Death to the human, to the human family does not mean the cessation of life. Death means separation. So he saw a divine separation from Saul of Tarshish where he no longer saw himself as Saul of Tarshish. He saw himself as the Apostle Paul. A brand new creature in Christ. Now can you imagine? I used to meditate on this. I thought this was pretty neat. Could you imagine how difficult that must have been for him? This guy's no dummy. He's smart. He's schooled in religion. He's schooled in the law. And I guarantee you, just like the devil does to us, he kept bringing up, his, bringing up the screams of people as he drug them out of their houses, bringing up, the, bringing up the look on Stephen's face as he glowed with the glory of God as Jesus stood up to receive him into glory. All of those things haunted him and haunted him. And I guarantee you, they probably tormented him till finally God brought him to the cross and said, I want you to look on the cross. And I can see him looking religiously, looking all these different ways, till finally God opened his eyes, the eyes of his understanding were enlightened. And he looked on the cross and he saw who? He saw himself on that cross. And he found a death in Christ where Saul of Tarshish could die. And the apostle Paul could rise and live. And that death was so complete that who he was in the past never hindered the forward momentum of his future, nor did it change him in any way to step back and revert back into the law that he came out of. As a matter of fact, just the opposite, he fought it. That's pretty, pretty powerful, pretty changed. Pretty changed when he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Amen. So everybody say change. Now note. It says, we are changed into that same image. So what God has recreated you to be, you must embrace the image. And you must allow the identity of that image to become your identity. We've said that for years, illustrated it all kinds of ways. We have so many identity, what I like to call identity cords, our gender our race, our geographical location. But of all the cords of identity, the most profound is the one that comes from heaven itself that has created you to be like God, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I love how he says it. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, look and see, all things are new. We are changed into the same image. Now notice this. From glory to glory. Now, I've heard, I've heard people talk about, well, yeah, that's one of the reasons I didn't want to really do, have anything to do with God when I was a kid. Because I heard a lot of old preachers get up and talk about how, how God wants to mash you and crush you and twist you and, and, and break you and, and murr down to gin. And when there's nothing left but a gooey spot, if there's anything there, then maybe he can use you. Yeah. Amen. Now, notice it says, we are changed from glory to glory. Now, you've got to take the, the two little words, the from and the to, in order to be able to do the math on this scripture to understand what Paul's trying to tell us by the Holy Ghost. First of all, we are changed from. Everybody say from. And then we're changed to. Now, that's so simple, we miss it. Many people's problem is they don't have any idea where they're from. Because they're so, how, how would you say it? They're so obsessed where they need to get to. Oh, I've got to have this breakthrough. I've got to have this healing. I've got to have this happen. I've got so, so you really are lost over here in the from. Amen? Pastor Mark and I, I guess we've been in Europe together. We've been in Asia together. We've been all around together. If I was up in Tulsa hanging out with him, which I've done a few times, we drive around, you know, we go to, a, go to a place where they have nice bread and muffins and all this kind of stuff, and he takes me to these nice places. So if we're driving around Tulsa and he gets lost, of course you can't get lost today because everybody has GPSs and everything, but say it was old school. We got lost, and so I, I, he says, well, listen, Rusty, I'm going to pull into this store. Here's a convenience store here, and I'm going to go in here, and I'm going I'm to get some direction. I said, okay. So he goes in there, and the clerk's standing there, and he walks up to the, he walks up to the uh, clerk, and he says, uh, could you tell me where I'm from? <laughs> Amen. Can you tell me where I'm from? She'd say, I ain't got a clue where you're from. Amen. You have to locate your, listen, this has helped me so much over the years, to stay sober in my location. It helps on the positive side. It helps on the negative side. You say, what do you mean to stay sober in your location? Not to live in a fantasy. I know, know who I am. I know where I'm at. Amen. I'm not Brother Hagen. I'm not John Osteen. I'm not Benny Hinn. Amen. And I'm not Frank Zappa. For you that know who he is. He was a rock and roll guy. Amen. No, I know where I'm from. Listen, I know when I'm discouraged. I know when I'm discouraged. I know when I'm encouraged. I know when I'm in a battle. I know when I need joy. I know when I need healing. I know all, listen, you have to live in the reality of where you're from. And a lot of people can put on a real nice face and come to conferences, and come to church, and walk around around people, and they put on this face, but in reality they're in pain, in reality there's hurt, they're hurt, there's been rejection, there's confusion, maybe there's offense, whatever it is, you're not living in the from, and because you don't know where you're from, how are you ever going to get to where you're supposed to be? Listen, if you're having a hard time, admit it. And listen, that doesn't mean you get up in your pulpit. That doesn't mean you go to all your friends. That means admit it to yourself. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm in a place where I'm struggling. I need some help. 
Man, Pastor Eddie taught that beautiful message on the helper, the holy helper. You've got a helper that can help you beyond the help of any person on this planet on the inside of you. Amen? If you're discouraged, if you're in... See, a lot of times we, we just live in the denial of these things, so we never deal with it, but it's only in the dealing with those things that we actually change and become someone else. We become that new creature God's called us to be. Man, you ought to have to get up here and do this. Oh, my goodness. When I first came back to the Lord, I tried to go back into rodeo and ride bulls because I preferred getting stomped by a bull to getting in a pulpit. <laughs> Amen? I mean, you get up here and start walking around, the devil, he'll get in your ear and say, oh, there's something hanging out your nose, your zipper's halfway down. I mean, he'll, he'll mess with you. So I wear long shirts, so it really doesn't matter. Amen? <laughs> We've learned a few things over the years. Amen? You see people, some are looking at you like, and others are looking at you like, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Amen? So there had to be some changes in me. Because I tell you, I told the Lord, I'll be a good janitor. I'll do anything. I don't want to get up there and, and stand in front of people. I don't want to do that. Have you ever been around somebody who's getting up to speak for the first time? Remember your first time you, you preached the first time you ever spoke? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, your knees are knocking together. You know, you have 14 pages of notes, three different Bibles, and you get up and preach for five minutes. <laughs> you have to change. I said, you have to change. I said, you have to change in the implementation of the vision of your business, of your church, of your ministry, of your family. There has to be change. And that starts with you realizing, hey, man, I got a problem. I got a problem. I got an issue. I have a situation here. I got attacked physically. What was it, about three or four years ago? I'm telling you, man, uh, uh, shingles hit me. It's right after a fall harvest conference. And man, I called everybody I knew. Pray for me. <laughs> I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I, this is the devil. And I'll never forget, I went to the doctor. What was it? On a Friday. And uh, they gave me this diagnosis, said I'd be dealing with it for six months, all this kind of stuff. And on, I didn't go to church. I think I had uh, either Roland or Alan preached on that Sunday. And uh, 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 Sunday morning, before the, the family got up to get ready to go to church, uh, I, my phone rang, and I saw, you know, like 15 numbers across the top. That always means it's somebody from overseas. And I, I pushed the button, and it's Paul Chase. He said, hey, Rusty, I just had you on my heart. What are you doing? I said, Paul, pray for me. They told me I have shingles. I feel like I'm going to die. And man, he prayed the prayer of faith over the phone. And for the first time since Friday, I went and got in bed and went to sleep and woke up and recovery began. And three days later, I was fine. Wow. Amen. But I, had a, I could have walked around all day, you know, looking like that thing. Well, ain't nothing wrong. There ain't nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing. Sometimes people can see there's something wrong with you. And sometimes people can't see there's something wrong with you. But you know it. So you got to get from to. Amen. Where you're not intimidated any longer. Where the disease is gone. Where you don't have the diagnosis anymore. Where the money's in the bank. You've got to get there. Now listen, you don't get there from trial and tribulation. You get there from glory to glory. So God is actually it's like he's given us a road map. 
It's like he's saying, okay, here, here's how you go. Here's your problem. You're over here and from. So, so I want you to go over here to, here's my provision. Here's my answer. Here's what I want for you. Here's your healing and manifestation. The money in the bank. Your business doing well. All the, here it is over here. But you're going to have to make what I like to call the glory journey. And once you really figure out where you're from, the glory journey presents a challenge. Because you have a few things working against your glory journey. You say, what is that? Well, the first thing is your feelings. Amen? Boy, if I could just feel God. If I could just feel the anointing. If I, many times in that position is when we feel Him the least. And we think He's the farthest away from us. And we think, man, where is God? I've been praying. But many times, if you just go ahead and make the decision. See, God's, God... You think you may be waiting on God, but God is waiting on you. Amen. Now what he's waiting for, let me say this. What he's waiting for you to do is to allow the image of that mirror to begin to affect your behavior because of what you see, not with your natural eyes, but with your spiritual eyes. Because what true faith is, is to be able to see what God sees, hear what God says, and before what God sees and says ever becomes what you see, you begin to act like what you see and what He sees and what He says is true. Now I'm going to read two, two scriptures for you in the Psalms. Let me go there real quick. This may help you. There's a couple of more. If you'll go dig around in the Word, you'll find there's several more. I think there's five different references. But this is in Psalms. Let me find it. I know I've marked it. Maybe I didn't. Uh-oh. I'll find it. Give me just a second. It's in Psalms. Oops, too far. You'll like this. It's worth the wait. I think it's 60. Huh, took my marker out. Bear with me. I've got it. Here it is. Now listen, Psalm 62, Psalm 62, there's one before, yeah, Psalms 57, Psalms 57, and then Psalm 62, forgive me for removing my marker, uh, Psalms 57, verse 8, awake up my glory, you see that? Awake up my glory, awake psaltery. Uh, and harp, I myself will awake her. Amplified says, Awake my glory, my inner self. Now, 62, Psalm 62, just should be right around the corner. Verse 7. Let me find here. Yeah, verse 7. In God is my salvation. Now notice this. And my glory... The rock of my strength 
and my refuge is in God. But notice that again. In God is my salvation and my glory. Everybody say, my glory. Everybody say, my glory. Lee and I, uh, we have certain days we pray on, and sometimes we get ready together, together, come to the office, and we don't have a TV in our, our uh, bedroom, but we have one in our bathroom. And so usually after we've prayed and everything, we've kind of settled down. We go up there, and we turn it on. If it's at the right time, we get to watch. The price is right. Does anybody like the price is right? And so it's that, come on down. Now listen, I told Leah the other day, I said, if I can have a church like the price is right, we would be in continual revival. Because everybody there is in such expectancy. And then they call out, Bob Jones, come on down. And now, now people don't go, oh, man. Why not me? That is a bunch of heathens, amen, for the most part. Because they tell them beforehand, every person that gets chosen, everybody celebrate, everybody. Every, and so what they do is they jump, they run. We've seen them do all kinds of crazy stuff. They run up there and hug the host. They, they're waving their hands. They're shouting. You know what they're doing? They're giving their glory. What are they giving their glory for? They're giving their glory in expectancy of the prize. They're giving their glory in expectancy of the prize. Amen? We saw one the other day win two cars. They gave double glory. <laughs> they did. I mean, and they didn't give it. That is really something. Go watch that show real close. They did not give. that. It was a lady. She did not do that when she won the cars. She did that when they opened the curtain and two cars were there. She went more crazy when she saw what she could have than she did when she got it. She just looked at it and said, there's a chance I could win two cars. Woo! And then she won it. She's like, she runs over there and gets the little thing that says, I'm a winner. Stands by both cars. <laughs> Amen? Now, the suppression of the glory of the church has been Satan's number one assignment. Now think about that a minute. The suppression of the glory of the church because Satan knows if the glory of the church ever gets loosed on the world, my time's up. They'll evangelize this world. They'll cast the devil out of everything walking. They'll get people saved, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. There'll be revival all over that planet. So if you notice the denominations and the religions, and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, 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 heathen denominations. I'm talking about Christianity. For the most part, are the most suppressed, the, 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 the 1030 hour to the 12 o'clock hour is the most suppressed hour of the week. They come in with their hands folded. They walk into their place. They sing some old hymns that they sang hundreds of years ago. They sit there, they hear something they really don't understand, and they go out the door with their hands folded, and they head for the football game. Where they can what? Where they can express themselves. Where I can get rid of the stress. Where I can shout. Where I can do what I want to do. I went to church, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Because there was no reason to do it. 
Then we start looking into the glorious Word of God and we begin to see what's in the, in the mirror and we begin to see, my goodness, God wants us to have all things that pertain unto life and godliness, that through His promises we're a partaker of the divine nature, the godly nature, not some human nature that's just kind of fixed up and worked on, but the very divine nature of God. He wants us to partake of that, of His glory, of His holiness, of His righteousness, of His prosperity, of His health, of His joy, of His peace. And we sit with our hands folded. And there's not much of an effect. And we wonder why, all right, uh, I did what Pastor Rusty said. I'm, uh, I'm admitting I got a problem. I need some help. I, I need to get out of this situation. I need to grow up in Christ. I need to do all this. And, I, and I'm trying to get going on this, on this journey. But what you're doing many times is you're hearing the revelation that you need to hear. But the suppression of that revelation on the inside of you shuts off the power that you need to move, that you need to move, that you need to move. I, I never understood a lot of these things and, and manifestations of things that I would see in meetings, even in my own meetings early in, 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 in our ministry, of the power of God hitting and people doing crazy things. Does anybody remember Joe Jordan? He was wild. He was a praise and worship leader in our church in the early 60s. And... Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been in his meetings, but they were glory meetings. I know a lot of people question this and question that, but I, I knew Joe. He was, a, he was a good guy. And I'm telling you, man, there was, I saw a guy one time roll backwards. You could not do that and end up against the wall upside down. I saw another guy come in mad because his girlfriend got saved. And he's going to punch Joe Jordan. And, and he went up there to punch him and took a step and his foot stuck on the floor. He's just going around like that with his foot stuck on the floor. And Joe, finally, he ministered to his mother. And so he came up to him and said, can you move? And he says, I can't move. My foot's stuck to the floor. Now, this is a guy that's not even saved. And so Joe just stood there and explained the salvation, the Roman road, and said, would you like to get saved? And he said, yeah. And he took his hand, and he prayed, and his foot got unstuck, and he fell into the power of God. And when his head hit the floor, he was speaking in tongues. Amen? So God's got all kinds of starters for you. The Holy Ghost is a helper. And when you begin to realize the, the Word of God is working mightily in me. You say, how do I know when the Word of God is working? Because it, it, it encroaches into your thought life. It gets into your emotion. It begins to work its way. And it's looking for an outward expression in your life. Now, let me just say this, because in a setting like this, in a meeting like this, where you may have opportunity to run, shout, dance, laugh, do anything, there are all kinds of ways in which that switch gets turned on and you take my glory and begin to proceed down the glory path. Finances, it may be giving. Healing, it may be adjustments in your diet, your health, how you live. Come on, church. Amen. Uh, other, other areas of your life, in your, in your marriage, it could be how you, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your children, things like that. Amen. Your favorite wife. <laughs> For you that weren't here. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you, got, you, you, begin to, you begin to do things because that, that word is looking that's in the unseen realm. That, that electricity that you cannot see has found a connection. And it's waiting for someone to throw the switch. Amen. 
And that, that, that there's all kind. I mean, we talk about in, in services the glory of God and power of God and all this. And that's all well and good. And I believe God will do some things to bless us this morning. But here's the thing. It may be something else. What it really is, it's your obedience to that which God is reflecting into your heart. Amen? Where you always felt, you know, uh, 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 dirty and unclean. And you always felt, you know, like, like even though I'm saved, uh, uh, my past life. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, well, I know I'm saved. But man, the way I lived before I got saved, God, God could never do anything for me. I thought to myself, hey, you're out of your mind. God doesn't know who you were before you got saved. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Amen. He chooses not to know you. He throws who you were in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it again. So you don't have the right to live like that. You don't have the right to do it. You have to realize I'm a new creature in Christ. That right there ought to make you jump and shout. I'm not the person I used to be. That person died on the cross. And when Jesus rose from the dead, I was born again. Now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things are new for me. Amen. Then we started getting into some meetings. Spirit of God began to... Uh, 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 Bob, maybe Lane Jane, wait, wait about us, Bob. Great friend, many years. Now, we've had some meetings in that church in Iran's past. They were pretty spectacular. I mean, where people were healed, set free, delivered. People ran, shouted, jumped, glorified God, magnified God. And every time we had things like that happen... There was a dimension of that glory that brought change to their church. Change to many individuals. I mean, it was, it, was, it was powerful. I remember one of the first times I preached on prosperity at their church, which was a doctrine that basically their church was against for many years. Not, not slighting him. They were, just not, they, they were just not aware of a lot of the teaching. And, and, and they gave a, 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 a tremendous offering Remember, there was a lady there. I remember, I'll never forget this. There was a lady there who worked for Walmart for years and hadn't had a raise. Y'all remember that? I tell this story here. People think I'm crazy. There's, the, there's my witness right there. She hadn't had a raise in like 18 years. And after that Empowered to Prosper meeting where she gloried and wrote out a check, she goes back to Walmart the next day, and not only do they give her a raise, and she was not able to get a raise because she had picked out in the salaries and had been picked out for some. They caught her up from all the other times she would have missed and blessed her. Amen? So there's all kinds of ways. When the Word of God begins to work in you and you begin to give expression to it, you begin to move from to. And as you begin to move from to... Leo, when Leah and I got married, she owned her own business. She kind of wanted to, to be a missionary in the Philippines, and God spoke a word to her. And uh, I thank God she was because she helped us get going in ministry. But then the Lord began to deal with her in the mid-90s about leaving that business and coming and working in Rusty Martin Ministries full-time. And she began to travel with me more in places that I went that we could drive to. And actually, she, you flew with me quite a lot, too. And I begin to watch Leah in these services. And when there was any indication at all of any move of the Spirit, of any rustling in the mulberry tree, of any, of any indication at all that anything of the Spirit of God 
was there a fixing habit, she'd take off running. She'd run around the church, sometimes two or three times. So I, I was kind of fascinated by that, and I asked the Lord, I said, what's she doing? She said, the Lord spoke to me and said, she's running out of her business into your ministry. And that's exactly what she did. You remember those days. And during that time, she got some of the most profound words. One by a precious friend of ours, Pastor Terry Wheatley, that she still has on her desk at home. That Every time you read it, it just blesses you. Talks about what God is going to do in her life. And that's exactly what God's been doing since then. But she began to give expression. Uh, another precious friend of ours, uh, uh, Velma Hankins, who's in heaven right now. See, a lot of people would go to B.B. and Velma's church and see Velma get up and run. I mean, anytime there was any, just, just, she used to tell me, I like when you come. I run all the time. I'd start preaching. She'd get up and run. Around the church she'd go. She'd sit down. I'd hit another point. She'd get up and run. But see, what a lot of people did not know is she fought depression that was just almost destroyed her. I mean, literally, she fought it tooth and nails for years till she got her breakthrough. And when she got her breakthrough and made that glory journey and got over to this place where that depression did not have a hold, any time she had any chance to glory in God, she did it. I think Mark even preached a message called Mama Runs. Mark Hankins. Yeah, Mama Runs. That's why she ran. That's why she ran. So you have to understand there's an expression in you. Listen, he gives us praise and worship. And it becomes easy for us to pull back into the character of praise and worship according to the flavor of the church we attend. What is acceptable to the congregation, what is accept acceptable to the particular meeting, we're comfortable with our hands up. You know, we're comfortable clapping our hands in a, in a good, lively praise song. But, you know, you can always tell when somebody shouts, Woo! People are like, <laughs> Amen. People kind of look around like, oh my God, one of those kind, huh? Not realizing that that person may be, may be starting out or continuing on a journey from a major problem in their life to the deliverance of God in their life. By giving praise and honor and worship and removing the restriction of their life, of their own character, off of their response to the word that is in them. You know, uh, Lee and I were privileged to be around some, some really cool preachers of the, of the past generation. and We were at dinner with, with R.W. Schambach. And he told the story. In Los Angeles, California, a crusade he was conducting. Several churches were cooperating with, with, the, with the meeting. And they had a particular usher that ushered up toward the front. And he said, that was one of the best ushers till the music started. He said, when the music started, that guy went berserk. He ran across the front. He jumped. He danced. He shouted. He said, this went on for three nights. He said, and the elders, you know how Brother Schambach was. He said, and the elders came to have a counseling session with me. And they said, we're going to have to do something about that man, about that usher, because every time the praise and worship starts, he takes off running, shouting, and dancing. So Brother Schambach said, well, I'll do something about that. So the next night, praise and worship started. The guy took off running, dancing, shouting. So he stepped up in the pulpit and stopped everything. He said, sir, come here. He said, get up in this pulpit and tell everybody why you're running, shouting, and dancing. So he gets up in the pulpit and he says, well, he says, when I was born, I was born mentally retarded. 
He said, I was also born blind. He also said, I had major kidney problems and I had to be on, uh, uh, what, what is it? dialysis. And he said, I was such a cripple. He said, I couldn't walk. I was a cripple. I was such a cripple that my parents built a house outside in the back of, of their home and hired a lady to take care of me. She was a Christian. She played the radio. And every day she played a program on the radio in which a minister named Catherine Kuhlman was ministering. And she said, he said, uh, he said uh, you know, Catherine Kuhlman said I could be healed. And he said this, he said, I believed it. I was retarded. That's what he said. He said, I believed it. I was retarded. I believed it. And he said, uh, uh, the, 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 the nurse could tell when the, when, the, when the program was on, she kind of described it like that, that there was light on him, that she could tell. So when she came to, uh, what was it, Angelus Temple that she used to go to there in, in, in L.A., uh, uh, when she went there, Shrine Auditorium, whichever. Anyway, when she went there, they went. She, the, this, this nurse snuck him out of the house, got a taxi cab, went. They got there late, and the doors were closed. Fire marshal had shut the doors. But an usher had seen their plight, saw this pitiful child in this, in this wheelchair. And he went up and found a seat and brought them to one of the highest places in that auditorium. And he said when... when Miss Kuhlman came out. She pointed right up in his direction and said, there's a miracle going on up in the, up in the balcony. He said, all, all I know was I felt a heat come on my body. And he said, it was like a cloud left my mind. He said, my eyes popped open. He said, all my bones begin to pop. Every brace, every, he said, I took off running with three ushers behind me. He said, when I got down to the, he said, when I got down to the front of the auditorium, he, he took off by the time he was giving this testimony, he done took off. <laughs> he was running and dancing and shouting. I asked Brother Sean back, I said, what did you do? He said, I took off right behind him. He said, I took off right behind him. I said, what did the elders say? He said, they never said anything to me again. <laughs> that's how you stay healed. That's how you stay blessed. That's how, that's how you do it. You allow what's working mightily on the inside of you to have expression that glory that's not the glory of God, it's your own glory that you give to God. And as you give God your glory, you reach over and flip on the switch of His glory that you've been observing in the mirror. And that brings you on that journey from two. One more, one more. You got time for one more story? Ooh, I sense the Spirit of God in this place. Glory to God. I always loved Brother Hagin. I met Brother Hagin when I was a little boy. I asked him one time, I said, do you remember me when I was a little boy? He said, I do. I, said, I remember you. He said, you used to sit on the front row and swing your feet and click your heels up against that wooden seat on the front row. You used to irritate the fire out of me. <laughs> well, that's my, that's my claim to fame with Brother Hagin, amen? The, the Spirit of God was moving in a peculiar way in the middle 90s. We were in a particular meeting when Brother Hagin said something about being in St. Louis, Missouri in, 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 in October of a particular year. I think it was 94, 95, 96. You guys were there. And he said something about that meeting. 
that there would, you know, uh, something unique to that meeting. So we were preaching in Columbia, Missouri. Leah and I, so I, Leah came with me, and and soon as we wrapped up our meeting, which I think we went through Monday, maybe a Saturday night through a Monday, we all loaded up and headed down to St. Louis and to that meeting. And so uh, we were blessed to be able to get some good seats. They got us, uh, who was it that didn't show up? Joyce Meyer didn't show up. We got her seats. So we were sitting right there on the second row, kind of where Pastor John's sitting and, and, and Danny's sitting. So we were sitting there, and, and it was the morning session, and Brother Hagen was teaching on prayer. And he got up there as he does and just walked across and was teaching on prayer, teaching on prayer. And, and, and after about 45 minutes, you can always tell in that anointing. If you, were, if you could wa- watch him, that anointing, he'd sometimes he'd just have this, this little shake or something, you know, and you'd think, hmm, you know. <laughs> one, of those, one of those guys that was with him got up and got him around the waist because he was kind of, you know, he's kind of wobbling back and forth starting to do this. And he kind of made his way across from us over to a guy that was sitting like right here. And he looked at that guy and he said this. He said, Glory! And that guy went like this. <laughs> and so he said it again. And the guy did the same thing. He just kind of went. And so Brother Hagen stepped. Actually, two rows behind me were Bob and Eileen would be sitting. And he said to that man, glory. And that man jumped up, began to dance in the Holy Ghost. And the power of God hit that whole row. And that whole row went whoosh, down on the floor. Well, I, I'm the kind of guy where I, I'm comfortable enough with God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. When I don't understand, I can go talk to him about it. And so we got home. We enjoyed the rest of the meeting. It was just wonderful, just a glorious meeting. So I get home, and I'm in prayer. I said, my God, you're going to have to help me with this. What? He goes to one guy, and he says, glory. And the guy just sits there and blinks his eyes. He goes to another guy and says, glory. And the guy gets up and goes berserk. And the power of God hits the whole row and knocks them on the floor. And you know the Lord is good. If you'll ask Him, He'll tell you. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, when He walked up to the first guy and said, glory, the guy didn't hear it. He said what Brother Hagin was doing in the Spirit was he was giving him instruction. He was saying to him, glory. What was He saying to him? Do something. Get up and run. Get up and shout. Get up and dance. Give some expression to the... The guy didn't get it. The guy didn't get it. But now he walks up to another guy and he says, Glory, and there's an immediate reaction. And the guy begins to dance and shout and the power of God just sweeps across that whole row. Knocks them all down. And the Lord said to me, Now he heard it. And I said, Now why did this one not hear it and this one hear it? And the Lord spoke to me and said, because the one that heard it had conditioned himself to hear it. But the one that did not hear it was dull of hearing and had not, committed, had not conditioned himself to hear spiritual instruction. Amen. Now you think about humanity and the glory that it gives its own endeavors. Sports teams. I mean, what was it the other night we were watching the World Series, and I went to bed, I actually went to bed, and Leah was still in there watching it, and I could hear the crack of the bat, crack, and I could hear the roar on the TV. So I got up and ran in there, and, and who was it? Uh, the little guy, Altuve. he smoked it, man, and that crowd gloried. I wonder if God ever got glory like that on the earth. Now, come on. You said that, well, those were baseball people. 
What are you? <laughs> well, those are baseball people. Well, what are you? Amen. And I watch men like that. Even, even, even somebody in the pastoral ministry like Brother Osteen, uh, uh, Brother Hagen, uh, Brother Shamba, all of them, all those men, even in the latter years of their life, had this, had this fire, had this, had this. I used to see Brother Osteen, and I could always tell when that anointing, he'd pull his hands up like this. Man, and he'd, he'd buddy, you, you better, he fixed a, he fixed a hammer you, man. He fixed to let loose some power. He'd get, he'd get them hands up here like that. Glory to God. He'd start talking about who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ. He'd start walking around. He'd start walking around, pacing around even faster. I remember one time he looked at the TV and he says, you think we're nuts? He said, but we're salty nuts for God. <laughs> the hands up there, I used to love it. Well, that anointing was walking, working on him, working through him. And that glo- he was glorying in his office, in his church, in his success, in what God was speaking into his life. He was giving expression. God is doing God, the creator of the universe, with all these billions of people on the earth. He has visited me. He has come into my spirit. He has left an impression upon my heart. He abides in me. He lives in me. You think I'm going to just sit here in my seat and make like I did doesn't mean anything? Why well, he said, by his stripes I'm healed. Does that not mean anything? He says he'll supply all my need. Does that not mean anything? It means something. Yes. <laughs> it does mean something. Amen? I'm all right. I've seen worse. Amen? So when you get an opportunity, Where's Frank? Go to the piano, Frank. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in praying about this, because I had from Monday till now to pray, because many times I don't have time, uh, especially Pastor Sam, he's the kind of guy, do you want to preach this morning? And we're like, all right. (laughs) But the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a lot of people that will be there in the morning that really need to be refreshed. They need, they need a fresh anointing on their lives, on their ministries. They need to begin a journey of change. What is the, the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over and over? Yeah, expecting different results. Now, there's nothing, nothing wrong with being persistent in the things of God. But let me tell you, there's some changes going on in the Spirit. There's some changes going on in the things of God. There's a harvest to be reached. There's nothing worse than getting bogged down in religion. Religion can always talk about what God did yesterday while denying what He does today. And we need to make sure as believers, you say, well, Pastor, I've heard some of those scriptures for years and years, but have they ever affected you? I remember one of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews uh, Hebrews, uh, 9.12, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood entered he once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I was in Waikiki. I was uh, preparing for a crusade we were doing. I'd flown in. Leah was going to fly in three days later. So I took those three days to fast and pray. And I was in a hotel down there where you could open up the windows that trade would blow through. I had my Bible across the, the, uh, the uh, bed. I was meditating on that scripture. And I kind of rolled over and closed my eyes. And when I did, kind of like a micro flash of a camera, 
called a mini vision, hit my soul. And I saw Jesus coming into heaven after being raised from the dead, right after his encounter with Mary Magdalene. He's coming into heaven, and heaven is in pandemonium. I mean, it blew me away. It was in pandemonium. They were going crazy. And he proceeded up the street of heaven, and it was kind of a rise up toward, you could tell it was up toward the throne of God. And as he got, the closer he got, the more it died down, 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 until there wasn't a sound. It was quiet. And all I could see was like a figure, and he was pouring. And he was pouring. Like a veil was in front of him. He was pouring. And when he finished, he sat that thing, like he sat it on a, on a table or something. Heaven, the, the, the volume of what heaven was doing when he just came in was nothing compared to the volume after he had poured that blood on the mercy seat. I got up off that bed. I started running around that room, shouting, magnifying God, glorifying. He said, well, you had some supernatural experience. Well, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it doesn't. But I remember I had the window open for those nice cool trade winds to blow. I thought to myself, Danny, I'm going to jump out this window. Then sense hit me and I remembered I was four stories up. (laughs) But I'd have had a smile on my face. But from that point till this, every time I preach on that scripture, every time I think about it, every time the enemy tries to attack my mind with some negative, I listen, that thing just rises up in me. And it's as much a part of me as my hand, my foot, my arm. It's it's just a part of me. You say, now why is it a part of you? Because I gave expression to it. I gave expression to it. Now I've seen it on, when there wasn't a manifestation of a a mini vision or anything like that. I've seen it on levels when just somebody just hearing the word. We were in in Idaho one time in a, a country church, about 300 people. We went a Sunday through a Friday, taught on redemption. And in that meeting, a lady came, sat about the third row, very dressed, very nice. And as I taught the Word of God all week long, on Friday night, I literally was preaching on Hebrews 9:12. And about three quarters of the way through that message, she took her notebook. She'd been taking notes all week. She'd had a Bible. She took her notebook and she threw it on the ground. And it went, bam, it's wooden floor, bam. She stood up. She threw a notebook on her. She stood up. She pointed at me. She said this. She said, sir, young man. That's what she said. Young man, I've been in this church all my life. I've been, I was saved in this church, filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. And what you have preached all week long is so glorious. If you think I'm going to sit here another second, you're wrong. I'm like, you're wrong. And she had these high heel shoes on. And she took off across that wood floor. It sounded like a machine gun. And she got about right around that corner. And when she hit that corner, that whole place went crazy. Because one person stepping out many times will will, will, will just flip the switch on for a bunch of other people to respond. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, glory to God. I said glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, y'all pastor a church there? Yeah. Is that what you do? Okay. I don't know you. Don't know anything about you. You've had some opposition that is, it, it, it's, on, it's, it's demonic, but it's on a level you've never experienced before. And it, it's just like, literally like two hands pushing against you. Just, you're not going to take another step. You've gone as far as you're going to go. Uh, you're, you know, you're pretty much can maintain this for a while, but you know, but, but, but God says that's not true. God has a whole new phase of ministry that's fixing to break out. That's why you've had that opposition. You've wondered why. What have we done? Have we, you know, done something bad? Have we missed God? Have we done this? Have we done that? It seems like we hadn't had a prayer answered in a while. God says, no, no. It's just the opposition of your adversary. That's all it is. And the breakthrough that you need, the anointing that you need, and the instruction that you need, the Spirit of God says, it's going to come on you. It's going to be in you, and the Spirit of God says, when it happens, obey me. Obey me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Changes, 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 changes. 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 New seasons. New phases of ministry. New times of refreshing. Fresh outpourings of the Spirit. Signs and wonders and miracles. The supernatural in operation. The power of God. Changes, 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 changes. Hallelujah. Changes, changes, changes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Guinea, you and your wife come. Hallelujah. There's a whole new way of doing things. You can't continue to do what you're doing because you will come to the end of it. And if you come to the end of it, it will stop. So you have to now begin to seek God for the change. You have to say, Lord, this, because what it's doing, it's wearying you. You're tired. You're tired. And what happens when you're tired is you get into a position which you have to make major decisions that you're too tired to make. But the Lord wants to refresh you. And the Lord, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. 
and the change. Listen, this, this, this is a great change. The great change that will bring you into another phase of ministry. And when you get into it, after a few years, you'll say to yourself, I only thought we were effective. I never dreamed we could be this effective. Because what you've done is in obedience to God. But that has run its course. And it's time for that new phase of ministry. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now lift your hands and thank you. Lift your hands and thank you. Lift your hands and thank you. Oh, we glorify you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now listen, 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 listen. The resistance to change when yielded to grows stronger and stronger and stronger against you. But this day, if you will yield unto my spirit and yield unto that which is in your heart, and give glory unto the one who has set you free. Then the liberty for that change will return and the resistance shall be broken and that which has fought against you will no longer be able to stand. So it is your choice this day to give God the glory and to see that resistance broken and to allow the new direction the new way, the new anointing, the new phase of that which I desire to do to rise up on the inside of you, then I will empower you to implement it supernaturally. And I will do a quick work and I will cause the effectiveness of all that I've caused you to dream to come to a brand new level in the kingdom. So even this day, respond to that which you are hearing and that resistance will break and you shall have the liberty you desire. Hallelujah! 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 Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Woo, there's a spirit of refreshing in this place. A spirit of refreshing in this place. Hallelujah. Now, now, Ted and Jan, agriculturally, you know that there are certain crops you cannot plant in the same field over and over and over because they will deplete the field of everything that's in it. You've sown and reaped, sown and reaped, sown and reaped out of a particular field, but the Lord says, I'm going to give you new seed and new ground to sow it into. New, glory to God. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo! <laughs> now, I... Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Now, now Danny. Listen. Field ministry has been decimated in the past 15 years. You have stayed above the fray, above the destruction, but there are many young preachers that God has called into the field that need a father. They need a father. Your fatherhood days are coming on you. Your fatherhood days are coming on you. God's going to bring young evangelists around you. They don't have any doors. All they know is they're called. They don't know what to do nor how to do it. But God's going to give you a way. And there's going to be a whole crop of young evangelists that are going to go forth not only into this nation, but they're going to go into the nations of them. Jesus. Yes, and that was confirmation. But even when it was said to you the first time, the enemy began his attack. How's that going to happen? How am I going to do that? Do I need to start a school? What? The Lord says, just wait on the Lord. And it'll be so simplistic. It'll be so easy. When it's implemented, you say, implemented you'll say, why didn't I ever see that? It's because the Lord has kept it hidden. The Lord has kept it hidden until this day and until this time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we worship your holy name. Lord, we glorify and exalt you. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Now do this quickly as we close. Just lay hands on the shoulder of the person next to you, uh, around you. Just lay hands on them right now. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Let that spirit of refreshing that's in here just begin to sweep down these aisles. Father, right now, Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I sense the same 
Same thing as since last night, we come up to a point which the Holy Ghost says, now wait, wait, wait. You have anything in your heart, Pastor Mark? You good? I just feel like it's the rest of it's for tonight. I just, I just sense that. We're going to let Pastor Mark take us in the direction we need to go. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands one more time. I tell you, the Spirit of God is still here. Oh, we worship you, Father. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we exalt you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you. Yeah, you know, someone in your heart, I don't know what it is the Lord has spoken to you about, but you, you've, you know, that's why you've got to be so careful with your adversary. You know, one of the things that, that military, sports teams, corporate businesses, uh, uh, political parties, just about every endeavor in which there's competition, in which there's uh, 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 friction, which there's, you know, uh, uh, something to be won or something to be lost. They study their enemies. They, I mean, they, they exhaust, uh, sports teams exhaust an enormous amount of money with, with uh, people that go and watch them practice and study the weakness. Boxers do that. Corporate, if you're going to start a restaurant, you go and you study the other restaurants in the area. Christians know very little about their enemy. And, that, and, and he's exploited that. Well, whoever this is, I'm not going to try and call you out, lay hands on but, but God has said something to you about obeying Him and doing something. I don't know what it is. It's not been revealed to me. But you have, in your mind, the thought, that's going to take some great faith. That's, that's, that's your adversary talking to you. Now, let me tell you something. When God speaks to you and instructs you to do something, He's doing it because you already have the faith you need to do it. Amen. Now, let me say that again. When God speaks to you and tells you to do something, you need to obey God because He sees you already have the faith to do it. You just need to step out and do it. So it doesn't, you don't need some great faith. You, don't need to, you just need to, uh, just to obey God. You say, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. You just need to obey God. And as you obey God, then His blessing, then His provision, then the release of that which is needed will come. But don't let some spiritual, you know, some of the worst spiritual conversations you can ever have are the ones you have with yourself. Because of the word self. And the access of the adversary into self, into your mind. That's why you always got to stay keen to that word. Stay just zeroed in on that word. Stay just zeroed in praying in the Holy Ghost. Stay in that word. You say, why? Because when God speaks to you and says, now do this, he sees. They have the faith to do it. They need to do that right now. Amen. You love the Lord. Lift your hands one more time. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for these day meetings. They have been glorious, Lord God. We thank you for what you've said, what you've done, how you've blessed, how you've refreshed. And Lord, we come back tonight with great expectancy in our hearts of that which you desire to do in this season, in this meeting. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Island Church's 2019 Fall Harvest Conference podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.